What if through compassionate mindfulness and omnipresent awareness, you became instrumental in creating lasting impact? What if you surrounded yourself with people who had the same mission as you did? Welcome to Mindful Mompreneur Moments, the podcast that will provide the midlife mompreneur with a combination of mindset, mindfulness, and meditation tools. Each month, we delve into a specific theme that will allow you to take actionable steps that may just spark a little fire and get you pumped for whatever comes next. I'm Shilpa, founder of Omni Mindfulness Coaching. And I'm Tanya, founder of Zenya Coaching. In this space, we will share impactful interviews that tell compelling stories, relevant insights, and guided meditations. The stories we share through the lens of mindful entrepreneurs will resonate with you and give you an opportunity to be inspired. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. In today's conversation, as part of our season of intentional living, we dive into second acts with Jessica Bigford. Jessica is the co-founder of Phoenix Community Projects, a community organization that provides both in-person and virtual programming within Montreal and its surrounding areas. Phoenix provides intergenerational programs, as well as those for children, families, and seniors. It is the goal of Phoenix to break isolation, support emotional well-being, and nurture personal and spiritual development. Jessica considers herself a spiritual coach and is ordained through the Anglican Church of Canada. She prides herself on pushing the envelope with traditional religion to explore what it truly means to be a spiritual being. She feels the world is our classroom with messages and opportunities to learn and grow from every facet of life. She is a genuine, authentic soul, and we absolutely loved our conversation with her. So without further ado, here is Jessica Bickford. Jessica, again, welcome. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Welcome. So our first question for you is, what does intentional living mean to you? Um, there's, there's many different sort of definitions floating around out there. And, and I actually did a sort of Google search too to see what resonated. But for me, I think it's living our authentic selves. And with that, it, it comes with awareness and not just our likes and our dislikes, but really what is at that core of us, you know, and, and living a life with that. Um, I, I, a great image I love seeing when I watch that, the movie with my daughters from uh, the, uh, the Guardians. And it's when Santa is talking to Jack Frost and he, and he has one of those Ukrainian dolls and he's pulling each layer down and he gets to that core. Because I think really that's what it, it all boils down to. So it's knowing our strengths and knowing what challenges us. I don't like using the word weaknesses because I don't think we have them. It's all opportunities for learning, right? And, and then finally, those combined with what are those gifts, talents, what is that message that 
that the world, that the universe, like we're all here for a reason. So what is that message? What is that piece of us that we were, we were brought here to bring to the world? I love that analogy. I, I'm a sucker for cartoons and anything that's, uh, you know, animation. And so, yeah, I saw that, that uh, movie with Jack Frost and, and Santa in it was so not the conventional Santa and the way he, he showed those dolls that just went from one to the other, the traditional Russian dolls, right? The yeah, yeah. Russian, right? yeah. All, all Eastern Europe, I think different cultures have them. But yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah. And it was just, and you saw the light switch turn on in Jack Frost's uh, mind, like, oh, okay, yeah, but, yeah. Well, exactly, because we have all these messages of what we're supposed to be, who we're supposed to do, everybody else's expectations, maybe of our friends and family and, and whatnot. And I think sort of those early parts of our lives is trying to figure out what that core is, who who is at us, you know? And, and I think that message of, you know, we're here to live to be happy. I, I think that's um, misleading. I don't think we're here to be happy. I think we're here to have joy in our lives. And that's having a gratitude and an appreciation and seeing that beauty or that positivity and in, in, in what is around us. If we're living to just be happy, it's kind of selfish, right? Like, I'm going to get married because it's going to make me happy. I'm going to have this job because it's going to make me happy. I'm going to do this because it makes me happy. We, I think intentional living, we go deeper than that and and to find that way to just have that joy because life's hard life's going to throw things at us and if we don't have that joy that's that's when it's hard to kind of get up again and keep going that's right that's beautiful and i love the fact that you mentioned um the word awareness because much of this starts with awareness it's been something that tanya and i talk about often um so speaking of awareness, could you share when you became aware that you were ready for your second act and what is it that you are doing now that's your life's work? Maybe you could share your story. Yeah, so I don't know if it's sort of beginning or living a second act because um, I guess it would be now <laughs> in the last three years. Um, but I kind of have seen my life as puzzle pieces so each piece has is, has been a part of the journey that has taught me that has challenged me to bring me to the next piece and then sometimes I don't know how all these pieces fit together so um what what's ha- what I'm doing now it's I started a nonprofit with some really great friends called Phoenix Community Projects and our primary purpose is to provide intergenerational programs so opportunity for families of any configuration uh, to just come and spend time together because like it's so expensive to like just go to a movie or the amusement park or whatnot you know you have to have some financial means to do that so yeah we just want to provide those opportunities where family members can learn about each other share in memories and then you know even ideas that they can do on their own uh and along with the family we do uh sort of individual demographic programming as well so we have stuff for kids we have stuff for seniors and and adults um so we started a community lunch and that, that sort of attended by about seven to 10 and it's virtual. So we came as a response to COVID. Uh, what had happened was with everybody being in isolation, I'd been working in the community sector for over 20 years. And so I, I just kept hearing these, these, these needs. So I was just like, hey, let's just try this. Let's just try. Um, and so it started off with a, a Sunday gathering. I have a, a background in the Anglican church. So people were just like, can we worship? Can we do this? Can we do that? I was like, sure, let's figure it out. You know, might not be perfect, not, might not be what we're used to, but let's, let's do that. 
And then it was through those participations, people were like, hey, you know what, can we do a community lunch? Like, you know, we'll, we'll come up with themes and we'll do trivia and we'll do this and that. And I was like, great, you want to do that? Go ahead. Tell me what you need. Um, and so we started a community lunch. We started a weekly kids club. And then as all this has happened um, and, and COVID coming back, we're now starting in-person activities and looking kind of for homes for that. But it's, it's been kind of a blessing too, because not having one physical structure, we don't have the financial overhead of that, but we can really place ourselves where those needs are um, and, and be more specific to that. And, and we, we began to more focus our, our attentions as well. Uh, so we, we got a micro grant and we started a program called Play Like a Girl. And this is for preteen girls in grades five and six. And we pair a sport with a personal development exercise. Because what we're finding is, is it's between the ages of 10 and 14. That's when girls find themselves in trouble if they don't have these, these, this emotional intelligence, this foundation and self-esteem and, and whatnot. Because that's when they start trying to figure all that out. So um, having, having been a girl for most, uh, and I say most of my life, all my life, I mean, I was a tomboy and I, I, you know, I think it's sometimes, you know, like, Hey, I'm not a girl at all. Um, that's a whole other conversation. Um, no, it's important. And I see these girls struggling. I I've been involved in sports all my life. I just retired uh, pre COVID after a 22 year career in rugby. Um, and so sports have a lot to teach us in these life lessons, you know, and especially rugby, you got to get up. If you don't get up, you know, there's nothing else going to happen. You know, you always got to get up and, and help your teammate and, and get to that next spot. You know, people need you and, and, and whatnot. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's pretty much where we are as well as an art hive. Uh, we've started that as well. So, again, these opportunities for people to um, learn about themselves, identify with themselves. We have our three C's uh, of values, our three C values, and that's caring, community and contribution. So, uh, you know, I have a student from uh, one of the local SAGEPs right now, and I'm like, why did you want to get into social work? She's like, because I want to help. <laughs> I'm like, get ready, <laughs> get, get ready, <laughs> because the world is hard. And, and I had to sort of prod her into more of that. And I'm like, do you want to help because that feeds you or because you care? And she had to think about that. So with Phoenix, we really want to provide a place where our, our volunteers, we don't have staff, we're all volunteer-based, where the people truly care about those who are coming and, and what we're doing and what we're offering. The second one is community. So again, with isolation, either with, with the pandemic or outside of that, people are feeling alone. Uh, here in Quebec, you know, uh, younger families have had to move out for jobs and seniors are here or seniors have moved out whereas and families are still here. So there's a real disconnect into, into the, I guess the tribal family, you know, and not just the court. So through this community, we like to help foster that sense, right? So when we do these intergenerational activities, sure, my grandkids might not be here, but there's a joy I see when I see other grandchildren. And, and then we, we can network, right? New moms ask senior women, hey, what can we do? What's this going on? Or this one's driving me nuts, or I'm going to put my kid on a forever timeout, please. You know? <laughs> um, so we get that interaction yeah. as well. So, and then our final C is contribution. As I said, everybody has a gift. Everybody has something that they can offer. 
And when we see our volunteers doing that and, and new people participation doing that, again, there's that joy, like that pride, like, hey, look what I did and look what I offered. It's valuable. People see it. So yeah. And Jessica, what it reminds me of the first term that sparked my mind was it takes a tribe. And one of the challenges that I experienced it being isolated from core big family is you need that support. They remember how to hold a child. They know how to soothe the child or communicate details like Tanya and I've often talked about the, the knowledge of our ancestors and passing along. So what you're doing is, is not only timely, but it's a lost art that we need to reintegrate into our society. It's extremely important work. Yeah, sorry, I thought, I think you were gonna say something, Jessica. No, it's all good. And, and again, like we don't even know our neighbors anymore. You know, uh, my husband and I walked up and down the street and there was a lot of people moving last summer. And, and I was like, okay, we still know them. We still know them. We still, do you know them? No. Yeah. And then or someone like, who is that? And, yeah. <laughs> and again, it's always our reaction in today's world to be like mistrusting, you yes. know? And yeah. I remember this, this, this character on our street, I don't know, it never gave me quite that sense of secure kind of feeling, but they were the first one to help me get my car out. They were the first one to help me down. They're always the first one to help if they see, you know? So I think we need to kind of, you know, put down our chance. guards. Yeah. yeah Just a little bit. Chance. And because you never know, you never know when you're going to need help. You never know when you need to reach out or if somebody else does. Yeah. I mean, I said, hi, how are you to a neighbor one day? And she's like, I don't know you. And I go, well, you're looking at me. And so I thought I'd say hi. And then yeah. all of a sudden she's telling me all these problems. I'm like, I just wanted to say hi, but again, it just shows the need that people exactly. need to talk. People need they need it. I think, I think it's a cultural thing in the Western society because I briefly lived in India and every neighbor knew you. They'd be in your house. They would just walk right in. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's... and I think, go ahead. Time, no, time. yeah, it's so different. <laughs> Culturally, I think there's a huge difference. But I think that as a human species, we need this more. So I think that the work that you do is so valuable. And I'm just thinking of my mom, if she had a community to go to, where she would see other grandparents, and you know, be able to interact with them while they also interact with their grandchildren while they interact with their children who are right there as well, and three different generations, and it would be just so beautiful. So we need more of that. Well, exactly. And I think that's what our, our, the traditional faith groups used to do in some, some way is, is like, I, I, I remember growing up in, in church and, you know, those, those rebellious late teen 20 in early 20 years, you know, and, and I, and I'll always remember Mrs. Ruby Vanell and she came up to me one day and she's just like, you are smarter than this. You are better than this. What are you doing? And what are you doing to your mother? I'm like, excuse me, <laughs> you know? And then she's just like, you are strong. You need to just stop and get your head. And I was like, you saw something in you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, at, at that, it, it made me think, but if my mother had said that to me, I'd be like, oh, leave me alone. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm just figuring it out. I'm just doing me. Yeah. You know? And so, and then, yeah. So I think it's just all these kind of connections. Uh, you know, as I say, like I, I started off in, in, uh, in community work and I was working at boys and girls clubs or day camps and stuff like that and I wanted to do my own programs but you know working with kids I realized I got to work with parents and I got to figure that one out and I wasn't a parent you know so but then as I started working with parents I'm like yo we're all like facing these issues together you know so then it's about community 
So different positions taught me different things on how to program. I had great mentors. Uh, like I got to give it up to uh, Reverend Joyce Sanchez. Um, I, she was, she always thought, you know, unicorns, sprinkles, glitter, and, and all of that, right? Where I, where I would automatically go into how did this project fail? You know, how can I make it better? And she, she taught me how to see, you know what, maybe it didn't check off your checklist, but look at the positives you brought to the people. They tried something new. They did this, they did that. So I, you know, seeing how, seeing things differently, you yeah. know, so it's not just doing, but seeing it. And it was only when I went to do my grad studies in, in community economic development. And I put it off for six years. I'm like, no, 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 no. Cause I was never the academic type. I'm like, that's not me. I'm not going back to school. I just do. Um, and whatever self-deprecating remarks as well. And in the end I was like, okay, I'm in between sort of projects. Let's do this. And what that gave me was the affirmation. Yes, this is my gift. This is my talent of bringing care and building community among people. And what that course did was just give me more tools of, of what I found my core finally to be. So I guess my second act, and I, sorry, that was sort of really roundabout. Yeah, no. Is, is just the actualization of who I am, you know, and, and living that. And so, yeah, yeah like you know, and this organization is hard. We're only in year two and trying to find funding and employment and, and balancing and family, you know, mm. I often get from my daughter, hey, you're doing some stuff for all these other kids, but what about me? You know, oh, so trying to find that, that home balance. life balance. It's not easy, but, but it, I found my joy. And so that's where I learned it's different from being happy. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. It leads us well into um, the next question about mindfulness. Uh, could you mm -hmm. share any mindfulness modalities that you use? So one, we started with the kids. So we used to have a youth council, which was a leadership program at a previous position that I had. And uh, what we do each week or each month uh, was we start off is where we're coming from, where we're we at and what do we need? And this kind of creeped into my practices, you know, so I like that. I'm going to write it down. Where yeah, are we coming and, from? Where are we at and what do we need? Yeah. So, and, and there's different layers with this stuff, right? So it could, it could be simply sort of a scheduling or programming stuff. Like, where am I coming from? Okay. So this is busy. That's busy. That, that's not working. This person's not calling me back. That person's not calling me back. I mean, you can do it with that or it can be even deeper on an emotional level, right? Cause a lot of those things that we engage in, they're mirroring our own needs. Right. So um, when I was a child, like, my mom used to say, I would sit on the porch. I'm an only child. So no brothers and sisters and, and all the kids that passed by be like, hi, friend, hi, friend, hi, friend. You know, I didn't know anybody's names. I just call them friend, you know, but then when, when the, when my parents got divorced, I'm originally from Alberta. I was uprooted to Montreal. Well, all of a sudden, you know, the world fell apart. So, and that's where I learned to see that in other kids, just that I don't know where I'm at. I don't know where I'm at anymore. You know, so you can do the, where you're coming from on that emotional end, but we have to be aware not to be reactive in that history, right? Because we, history is emotional. And if we're gonna be reactive, then we can get into victimization or self-victimization, right? Oh, this happened to me, that happened to me, this happened to me. So this is why everything's like this. And 
I can't communicate or I can't this, like we have to have that healing, you know, if, when we're going to go into that direction. So, yeah. So working all that, where am I coming from? And then, so gets you to where you're at. So what's happening around you do that self evaluation, you know, um, like I was really frustrated the other day because here we're having a, an Easter scavenger hunt activity in April. And I'm just like, why aren't, why aren't the partners coming in on this? You know, like I've given the info, I've said what we need, I put it out. Everybody keeps saying they want to help, but why am I not getting the communication back? Well, we're all really busy and we need to learn how people communicate. So yeah, where one person's great on email, I found another one was text and it's a lot of extra work, but if we need these things done, we have to understand the other. So it's not just about us. Um, so, and then if we can do those self evals, sort of sense, I'm really tired. I am not balancing my family and life. I am not doing these things. When we take those moments of, as well, we see ourselves within the whole picture. So maybe I'm frustrated and I'm more triggered because I'm exhausted and I haven't slept and my kid is sick and my partner's not helping and, <laughs> you know, all those sort of traditional complaints we have. Um, and, and I remember feeling like that's how I feel now. I'm tired all the time. So you know what? Uh, it's like good old Anna said from Frozen 2, just do one step, do one thing. <laughs> I know. I'm, I I'm, love I'm, the analogies. <laughs> I'm full of cartoon analogy. <laughs> That, that's how I identify. I'm still a kid inside, right? But there's no right step. There's just the next step and just do that step and then do another one. And, and we're all of a sudden I was doing that. And that's why I ended up being up till two o'clock in the morning. And, but I got so much done and it felt so good. And I found that joy again, right? So that's where we're at. And then when we look at those things, then we see what we need. All right. So I need to finish this and this, and then I can sleep and I need to rest and I need my time with my family. And okay, so I'm sitting watching Netflix and chilling or whatever, but that's not feeding me. That's not, that's not addressing what I need. So maybe I need to get off that and, and read and, and meditate and whatnot. So again, finding those things we need. And even if we need other support in that, we need to articulate that. Hey, husband, I need you to go take the kids so I can just go relax in the bath. I need this. I need that. And I know sometimes we feel like we're nagging or we're not just with our partners, but with friends, like we don't want to impose ourselves, but people can't read our minds. We have to articulate our needs. And that's part of the work is like once you've identified um, what is your intention and becoming more self-aware, I think that is part of the work is learning how to have your voice, speak your voice, setting boundaries. And that also is, becomes the example for other younger um, women, other, your daughter, your, your children, this is how to function, but you're still giving, but you're also giving back to yourself. So I find that wonderful. Yeah. So what I try to do with, with our members is I have the analogy of a lifeguard, right? So if you're jumping in with your buoy or whatever, the life preserver thing, the round thing, you're jumping in and you're giving that buoy to, to others all the time, you're, you're treading water. And as a lifeguard, you can't tread water all the time. You're going to sink or you're going to drown. You need that buoy back or you need to even get out of the water to recharge and to regain that strength, you know? Yeah, so that's how I like to see that in, in those moments too, because again, everybody needs right now. 
Absolutely. I mean, this is so profound and so timely. Did this um, organization that you've created um, start before the whole pandemic or was it around that time? Yeah, so it's been around, well, officially, no. Uh, it's been around in, in various capacities. So um, I, I, as I say, I have that uh, faith background and I am uh, ordained deacon within the Anglican church. Um, very liberal, exploratory end. And a lot of my colleagues are like, what are you on about now? Um, because I kind of, I, I, I love tradition and understanding it and knowing why we do it. But then it's, it's for us to explore that, right? So I, I do believe in an other, call it God, call it universe, call it however you want to identify. Um, but it's, it's my job as a spiritual coach to then give you those tools to do that. Um, and, and for you to figure out your journey, I can't walk your journey and I can't tell you how to walk your journey. That, that's, that's for you and, and, and your universe. Um, so it started off as a project because I was really strong in youth and, and those in, in my discernment groups were like, well, can you work with seniors? And I'm like, well, some of these seniors act more like kids than uh, some of the kids, but sure, let's figure it out. So we started Phoenix in its first frame in, in a church in Verdun. And it was really these parallel programs. We turned tradition and new or community outreach. And we intersected at different times. And then um, unfortunately the finances run out and that church merged with another one. I went back into the community sector, uh, worked at the Boys and Girls Club as the five to 12 coordinator. So again, back at the grassroots, um, I was called to another parish. And at that point I was kind of done again, I have this love hate with the institution of church, but not spirituality. And I'm like, I'm done. Don't ever ask me to do kid stuff again, because it was just handled so poorly. Um, but that's where, uh, Reverend Joyce and I connected and she's like, can you just help? Can you just help with the pageant? I don't want you to do anything. Just help. And I was like, okay, I showed up just to make sure everybody was safe and whatnot. And then that blossomed into our family life project, again, about reaching out to the community. How do we have these spaces and make them available? Or what do people need and really address those needs? Um, and that's where I learned about like the table de consultations, like all that other community development. And like, hey, there's people that we can work with. Like, we don't have to do this on our own. So it became the Family Life Project. And then again, unfortunately, that parish was closed. And I, so I thought I was being a bit of a jinx every time I went to somewhere <laughs> and, and whatnot. It was um, all preparation. Yeah, right? Yeah, but that's just it. Each part was a piece of this puzzle. I learned yeah. more and was like, okay. And I, as I say, when you have that gift or that calling, the universe is going to like kick you in the butt and be like, no, this is what I called you for. Yeah, you know, this is, is why you're created. And you mentioned the puzzles, and I find that such a beautiful analogy. I saw you and Tanya reacted to that. Is that sometimes your life is already created and set in motion the direction that you truly need to be in if you're listening and paying attention, and those skills that you'll need to truly blossom are being given to you. The opportunities, as you as you were calling it. So it sounds like you were given these opportunities, and then as the second act manifested you were prepared to help yeah well yeah, crisis, sometimes right? like, yeah something like second third fourth like there's so many acts so in a life acts. yeah so, so we call it second acts but we yeah. understand it, yeah it can cover many facets of your future now how would you share to inspire or empower women considering transitioning 
into their second act. For some of them may not be aware, or if they are aware, there might be fear-based. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, for me, a lot of this came from crisis, right? And and when we think of crisis, we think emergency and and ooh, response. But if you actually look at the definition, it means turning points. So, um, and I think that's when we get pushed out of our comfort zones because our routine gets disrupted. So, and, and, and I think those are key flags to listen to. Like, okay, let's, let's keep our head. Worrying doesn't change this. I still gotta contend with what's happening around me. But once we're in those moments and in, in those transitional times, like, again, those three things, where am I coming from? Like, what was working? What wasn't working? So where am I at? What do I need? And then what brings me joy, love, peace and hope. And, and I found those are great boundaries, right? And, and something that I've taken on this year, because if it's not, if it's not sharing love, I don't want to be a part of it. If it's not bringing peace and there's all this drama, I don't want a part of it, you know, and, and some people try to bring that into our lives too. So it's a great boundary. No, this is not bringing peace and yeah, it's emotional, but not so much. And again, that, that rooted joy, because when we have all those things, we have hope. We want to try new things. We want to get out there. We want to see what else is possible. Um, after that, I'd say get a team. You cannot do this on your own. You are going to have moments of self-doubt. You are going to devalue yourself and, and want to give up and self-sabotage. And having a team around you not only helps pick you up, but helps see those things that you don't. I'm a big picture kind of person. And my right hand is my friend Dion and Carolyn, because they are so detail oriented, you know, so they see those little hurdles that, that maybe I didn't, or again, uh, like Reverend Joyce, she saw it in a totally different perspective where I was just like, oh man, we are doing great work and, and let's keep going. And, and again, get out of your own way. You know, anytime you have that doubt, push it aside. You know, you are, you're here for a reason. You are doing what you are called to be doing. And then I think finally, what, what got me switched, um, I had a rugby coach named uh, Barry Sullivan, and he taught us to think big, right? So that meant believe, inspire, goals, get her done. So I'm very visual. So that's all these little acronyms and movies really respond to me. So believe is like, believe in yourself, believe in that new vision, because you know what, you're going to have a lot of naysayers because they, they don't get what you're trying to do. You're trying to create something new. You're trying to create something new for yourself. Your friends and family might not get it, you know, and that doesn't mean they're not supportive, but you're changing the rules on them. So you've yeah. got to give them time to catch up, but you still need to believe in, in, in this new you or your new direction. Inspire, this doesn't mean to go and try to inspire everybody. You know, I'm doing it, you do it. It's no, look at people who've gone before for you if they can but so can you and then goals what do I need to do and then just do it just do it that's the biggest thing that holds us back is we just don't do it we're just like okay I got it you know how many times we said if I left my job I would do this if I had didn't have that I would do this well that that I would do that's your best life you know yeah and those should be the goals because that brings us joy not just to be happy and, and yeah we you know, we have to pay bills and stuff like that. But I think if we are doing it for the right reasons, the universe will provide for our needs. Yeah, I love that. The I would, if I had this, I would. The I would is your best life. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's all conditional verbs, right? If the conditions are right, 
you know, like with, within a church community, he's like, I should, or you should, or should, should, should. Well, you know what? That's conditional. You know, the only way it will is if you take action. Right. You know, and I love this, um, the, when you articulated, um, and maybe the, those weren't your exact words, but like the doubt and allowing people to catch up, but keep, keep moving forward. Because I can say for my, myself, even transitioning from another part of my career into this one, there are many days I'm like, you know, Tanya and I often have these conversations like, okay, we're, we're doing the right thing, right? <laughs> yeah. And what you said about don't do it alone. I think that's why Shilpa and I kind of cling on each other because it's the fact that we're not in it alone. We don't feel like we're in it alone because we're not. And it just works better. Like people have their strength and they're able to bring different things to the table. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you mentioned work with people in the very beginning, get, get, I, I felt that way with even Tanya, when she and I started collaborating, we started to move at a phenomenally different rate. Like the self-doubt was just eliminated because I'd say, hey, what about this? Should we go in that direction? Yeah, let's, let's try it. I think that's one of the biggest gifts my mother gave me where I would be like, Hey, can we let this or what about that? And she's like, I don't know. Why don't you just try it? And I'm just like, mm, okay. And again, I was from a single parent family. So I, I, I had to get my hustle on, right? Like if I wanted to do something, I had to figure out how to make that happen. She didn't have those means to give it to me, you know? So I, so again, it's just trying, you yeah. know, we learn through mistakes, you know, failure, fail first attempt in learning. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's so many powerful insights. And the fact that you say you almost, you didn't use those exact words, but managing your energy based on the people who are around you, that barrier that you said, if if you're not working out of love, then, then I'm not around that. If you're, you know, if you're going to be disruptive or in a negative, I'm not around that either. So you get, you then build your tribe, right. And then you have the people that are going to be able to help you push forward. Exactly. And, and, and I think again, like it's when, when the universe puts us in those scenarios, we, we learn our value, right? So when I was doing the, the grad studies and, and having those like-minded people around and, and hearing from those teachers who've been doing it for 40 years and, and how they were the, you know, hitting the ground running and the, the trailblazers, that's the word I was looking for. Um, you know, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. This is, this is all right. And then, then you're getting fed by others' energies because it's new ideas. It's, it's new ways. And, and, and things, we, we don't know it all, right? But I think, again, we, we stay in these places of people treating us certain ways or dynamics and because either we don't know A, how to get out of it or B, uh, this is just what life gives us. I know yeah, that was don't realize huge, there's more. Right, with my husband. So we always seem to, like, something always happens. The simplest thing, something always happens. And we're like, why can't it just work out, you know? And so when I sort of switched this, um, he, he kind of had that mentality. I'm like, we cannot keep being the victims and everything because we're not going to get anywhere, you know? We're, we're not. Like, yeah, stuff happens, you know? Use whatever other euphemism you want to use. It's going to happen. But it's how we respond, you know? And so it, it took him a while to catch up because when he'd say it, I'm just like, stop, stop. You know, we, we, and he's like, but I need you to hear me. I'm like, okay, so let's talk about this deeper. Tell me more. Don't, don't stay up here. Tell me more. Um, and so, yeah. And that's why I say, I think, I think we get in our own way. Yeah. 
Yeah, such powerful insights. Thank you so much for all of that, Jessica. It's been such a pleasure. Shilpa, I'm not sure if you had any anything else. To- oh, no, like everything, like each each statement, each phrase you're using, like, yeah, it, it resonates. I, I had a similar conversation with someone about this very topic and the term we get in our own way kept coming up as an expression. Was it you? I forget who I said it. It could have been because one of the eBooks that I created spoke about the different levels of awareness and the victim level is the first one where everything is about what's going on that happened. And that is why, you know, so the victim mentality, you got to get out of that really fast. So. And it's the hardest one. It's the, it's hardest, the hardest one. one. You know, you know it's analogies for that often I, I i say this to myself since i was a kid when i'd see a situation i'd say i'm the common denominator things aren't working out i have control over me and that's everything else i can't control but i can control this yeah that's that's pretty powerful and deep at a young age <laughs> at a young age <laughs> i don't know what happened in my 30s though <laughs> well no because we we I think it, even as women, we give so much of ourselves, right? That that we lose ourselves. You know, like when I had my daughter, I still went to rugby practice twice a week and a and a full day on Saturday. And it was like, well, why are you here? You know, all the other moms like maybe once a week and every other game. And I go, well, see that guy and that guy and that guy because we practice with the men's team. They're they're like, yeah. I'm like, well, they all have babies. Why aren't they home taking care of their babies? Exactly. You know. So we need to find those things that, that kind of still feed us. Cause if not, then you're just like, yep, this is what life's supposed to be. I'm supposed to be married in this way. And this is supposed to be my dynamic or I'm, or, uh, oh, or if, like I have a friend who's single and all that time, well, you know, it's, it's just the world and none. Well, no, hold on. <laughs> What's the common denominator in your relationships? Exactly. It's you, you know, not that you aren't great, but we hold on to these things. Yeah. It's what we hold on to. It has to be shed off of us and make us realize that there's more out there. Yeah. And more to us. And more to us. Yeah. Well, this was Thank very you. powerful. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you no so problem. much. Thanks for tuning in. These episodes are intended to be of great value to you. And so we hope you truly receive something out of this one. And if you did, Don't hesitate to spread the love, leave us a review, comment, share with one or two people who may resonate with the content, and please visit mindfulmompreneurmoments.com for some inspiring content. And continue to live with omnipresent awareness and compassionate mindfulness.